Okay, well, if the length of a passage is inversely proportional to the length of a talk, I should say, is inversely proportional to the amount of preparation that goes in, then I'm afraid you're in for a long evening. So um, I'll leave you to work that one out. Um, also, the timing's really throwing me off now. So it's 20 past 7. Um, so that means I've got five minutes, or possibly an hour and five minutes. Who knows? So um, <laughs> any, anything could happen. Um, we thought it would be good to talk a little bit about uh, the Bible memorization scheme that uh, we launched a couple of Sundays ago. And I'm not going to talk specifically about the scheme. Hopefully you've seen the bookmarks, which I've left over there on the organ, but there are some uh, beautiful green bookmarks which Margaret's put together, uh, which explain uh, what to do. And uh, for those of you who haven't seen them, basically the idea in a nutshell is that we try and memorize one verse per week and uh, Psalm 34 started last week, and I think it takes us eight weeks to get through that, so that's sort of where we are at the moment. And uh, one verse per week, and there's some helpful instructions on those bookmarks as to how you might be able to do that just by basically saying it over a few times each day. And um, I've been having a go at this since January uh, using this scheme and found it really helpful, so uh, we thought it would be good to introduce that. Uh, as a long-term thing, I hope, not, not just for this year in the church that we've uh, taken it from. Uh, they have at least, I think, six or seven different sets of verses, actually mostly designed for their children. Uh, that's where it comes from uh, originally. So um, we'll be able to go for a few more years anyway before we have to sort of start inventing our own. So do, do have a look at that, and if you're on the web, uh, look on the... Um, Burlington webpage. It's, there's a page hidden underneath, I think, news and events or something. Uh, but if you have a look, you'll find it, and there's some more information there. But tonight, we thought it would be good to talk about the benefits of Bible memorization. So Margaret kindly read um, m- not all of Psalm 119 to us, but some selected bits, uh, which, as you know, I'm sure, is a, is a meditation uh, on the, uh, the Bible, on the Word of God, uh, on the Old Testament, obviously, as it was then, but, but can be extended to the whole of the uh, canon of Scripture that we have today. And we just took a, a few verses from that. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about um, why memorization, what is it, and then some of the benefits of it, hopefully. Um, let me start with a couple of quotes. Dallas Willard, professor of philosophy at the University of South California, which sounds quite posh, but he's written a couple of uh, good books about uh, disciplines. For those of you who've read Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster, I think a lot of the ideas from that book came from uh, Dallas Willard. He, He said this, Bible memorization is absolutely fundamental to spiritual formation, by which he means spiritual growth and becoming mature. If I had to choose between all the disciplines of the spiritual life, and this is a guy who's written about a lot of the disciplines of the spiritual life, uh, so he knows what he's talking about, I would choose Bible memorization because it is a fundamental way of filling our minds with what it needs. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, he says. That's a quote, uh, isn't it, from uh, Exodus somewhere. Um, that's, where, that's where you need it. How does it get into your mouth? Memorization. 
And then somewhere else he said this, as a pastor, teacher, counsellor, I've repeatedly seen the transformation of inner and outer life that comes simply from memorization and meditation upon scripture. Personally, I would never undertake to pastor a church or guide a program of Christian education that did not involve a continuous program of memorization of the choicest passages of scripture for people of all ages. Now that's a big statement, isn't it? He would not pastor any church that didn't involve a continuous program of memorization. So, and here's a man who's, who's not a, I, I think, you know, he's not sort of like a biblical, incredible fundamentalist whose only thing is Bible bashing. He has a very broad sense of all of the different spiritual disciplines that are needed for us to mature as Christians. And yet, and yet he says how essential that is. Another bloke uh, you might have come across, Chuck Swindle. Uh, He wrote this, I know of no other single practice in the Christian life more rewarding, practically speaking, than memorizing scripture. No other single exercise pays greater spiritual dividends. Your prayer life will be strengthened, your witnessing will be sharper and much more effective, your attitudes and outlook will begin to change, your mind will become alert and observant, your confidence and assurance will be enhanced, your faith will will be solidified. Wow, there's an enormous number of claims there, isn't there? Um, why, don't we, why don't we do this more? I, I, I don't know. I'm sort of <laughs> preaching this to myself. So it's nice, nice that you came along as well. <laughs> it's tremendous. So let's, let's have a look at what Psalm 119 has to teach us about um, Bible memorization. And if you turn just to that little bit that um, Margaret read first of all, we'll start there. How can a young man keep his way pure by living according to your word? Verse... Uh, Verse 9. Uh, and we see a few things here, don't we, about, about Scripture. Um, it says that we need to live according to God's Word. It says we need not to stray from God's commands. It says that we need to hide God's Word in our hearts. It asks the Lord that we would be taught His decrees. All these different words, but they're all talking about Scripture. Um, he's saying that um, he's going to recount with his lips. He's going to talk about Scripture. He's going to recite Scripture. He's going to rejoice in it. He's going to meditate on it and delight and certainly not neglect it. So let's look at just a couple of things, or three things actually, from this. First of all, in verse 11, we see, Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. So what does it mean to hide the word in our hearts? Well, there's a Hebrew word um, used here, which means to hide or to store up. And that means that the Bible mustn't just remain on the page. It needs to get inside us. Um, And we can see that, um, too, uh, from uh, some of the other things that uh, that it says here. Uh, The psalmist talks about meditating here. Uh, in, um, where are we? In verse 15, meditating and considering um, elsewhere in the psalm, Psalm uh, Psalm 1 and verse 2, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. And the Hebrew word for meditate is a great word. Um, Supposedly, it's uh, onomatopoeic, although I looked it up and it didn't sound like somebody meditating at all, as far as I could tell. But anyway, they obviously made a very weird sound, these, these um, chaps in the Old Testament. But it's supposed to reflect the sound of muttering or groaning 
as you sort of chew these things over in your head. And, and obviously it reflected in some way the sound of the people of those days used to make when they were meditating or chewing something over. And, and, and so that, that, that's what it means as we um, meditate on God's word. And then look at verse 15, uh, consider your ways. Another translation of consider, uh, which I found, is to fix our eyes. And what does that remind you of? Hebrews 12, verse 1, I think, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Yeah? And he also talks here about, with my lips I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. So a great way of storing up the word is to say it out loud or to even to talk to others about it. And as we do that, we're, we're getting it into ourselves. And that, that's really what memorization does, isn't it? It enables us to meditate. If we haven't memorized, then we're going to be stuck meditating because we're only going to be able to do it when we're sitting with our Bibles in front of us. If we've memorized Scripture, we can meditate on it at any time. We don't have to uh, just uh, wait until we've got our, our quiet time and until our, uh, our Bibles um, are in front of us. The second thing that we see from this passage, uh, apart from storing this stuff up inside us, um, is uh, another translation of, um, or another meaning, really, of this word uh, in verse 11, I've hidden your word in my heart. Um, one translation I was looking at um, translates that as, I have treasured your word in my heart. And, and the idea here is that in Old Testament times, and arguably now this would be a good idea too, if you've got some money, they didn't have banks, so they used to store it up and hide it so nobody could find it. Now, given the interest rates, we might want to consider that as an approach, but I'm not offering financial advice this evening, so just uh, in case. But, but, but the idea what, therefore, out of this is if you hide it and you store it up, it's something that you're treasuring. Yeah. So... Um, This is more then than just remembering God's word. It's more than getting it into our hearts. Sorry, It's it's also valuing it and recognizing it as something of enormous worth. Um, There's another verse, isn't there, in Job. uh, Do you remember this one? Job 23 and verse 12. I've not departed from the commands of his lips. This is when Job is in immense suffering. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my daily bread. And again, we see it in these verses too. Uh, The psalmist talks about, in verse 16, about delighting in the word, uh, about rejoicing in it there, in verse 14. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. So we need to store it up inside us, but that's not enough. We also need to treasure it. We need to recognize the value and the worth, or it just becomes head knowledge, doesn't it? But if we treasure it in our hearts, then it becomes something far more. And the third thing that the, uh, the psalmist says here is that we need to live it. Um, look at the first two verses here, verse 9 and 10. How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray, so don't let my behavior move away from your commands. And that's the most important thing of all, isn't it? Because if we're not careful, this can all become a little bit legalistic, and maybe some of us have had that experience of Bible memory in the past. It becomes something that we had to do, and perhaps our parents gave us 50p a week in order to learn whatever the verse was, or if you're stingy like us, you certainly didn't do that. But, but, you know, just beat them about the head if they didn't do it. I'm just joking. But, but, um, you know, it, it may have become a little bit legalistic, 
the important thing is that we're using this because we treasure it and because we want to live it. And in fact, if we don't try and live God's word, then we'll just give up. We'll lose interest. We won't be able to keep on any kind of memorization scheme at all. God's not interested in head knowledge. He wants it to be something that affects the way that we live. So, three things there. Uh, We need to store it up, we need to treasure it, and we need to live it. And with that in mind, let's just have a think about some of the uh, advantages then of doing that, uh, of having that, uh, uh, that scripture in our minds. So just a, just a few things. Um, first of all, memorizing scripture helps us not to be conformed to the world but to be conformed to Christ. We know Romans 12, 1, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And John Piper, um, Simon's quoting, the, uh, counting the John Piper quotes this evening. It's his church that this scheme comes from. So that's number one. Simon, okay. uh, John Piper uh, says this, the world and its God-ignoring, all-embracing secularism is pervasive. It invades all our minds every day. It's true, isn't it? You, you just can't get away from it on the radio, on the TV, as, as, as we're walking around. And increasingly, I think, on, on, I don't watch much TV, but, but listening to the radio, you hear people laying into Christianity. I was listening to, um, what's it called, The Now Show on Radio 4 on Friday. Great long spiel about laying into Christians, basically. And, and I think we're going to see more of that. Uh, our, our society is becoming more and more secular, more and less, you know, less and less uh, Christian. So this secularism, John Piper says, it invades all our minds every day. What hope is there to have a mind filled with Christ, except to have a mind filled with His Word? I know of no other way. So surely we want to be more like Jesus. Paul says that as we behold the glory of the Lord, as we behold the glory of Jesus. We are being transformed into his image. And, you know, the more we study the Bible, the more we memorize it and get it into our heads and our hearts, the more we see Jesus. And that helps us not to be conformed to the world, but to be conformed to him. Something that I think we know, uh, secondly, about Bible memorization is that it gives us triumph victory uh, over sin and over Satan. And we see this in verse 11. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. We know that Jesus had large chunks of the Bible of his day, which was the Old Testament, memorized. And we know that because when he was tempted in the wilderness, Jesus quoted the Bible right back at Satan. And and by the way, as an aside, Satan had quite a bit of the Bible memorized. And, And I think it just goes back to the previous point. Getting into your head is not enough. It doesn't do him any good. We've got to want to live it, haven't we? Anyway, Jesus quoted the Bible right back at Satan, and and, and Paul talks about this when he talks about putting on the whole armor of God so we can fight against the devil's evil schemes, as he calls them. And the sword we have is the word of God. And while we can wield that sword as we read the Bible, um, we can't always have the Bible with us and open at the right verse every hour of the day when we're tempted to say something we shouldn't or harbor unforgiveness or go to a site on the internet we know we shouldn't or, or feel afraid or feel anxious. And if we memorize the Bible, then we'll remember that God says, have no anxiety about anything. Or he says, I am with you always. Or he says, fear not, I've called you by name. You are mine. Or he says, whatsoever things are pure, 
think on these things. God will bring those things to our minds as perhaps the, as perhaps the temptations come. Uh, but he can't bring them to our minds if we didn't put them there in the first place. And that's sort of a you know, good thing, bad thing. Um, if we didn't even attempt to memorize it, there's not much God can do. But if we do make that attempt in faith, then God will help us and he will bring those things to, to mind, even though we think we've got rotten memories. Uh, so I think that's, that's an encouragement. John Piper, too, says this, as sin lures the body into sinful action, we call to mind a Christ-revealing word of Scripture and slay the temptation with the superior worth and beauty of Christ over what sin offers. So it, it, it's also about, it's going back to this first thing, isn't it? As we get the Bible and get Scripture more and more into us, we see more and more how great God is. We see more and more how lovely and how great Jesus is. And then increasingly we'll say, no, that sin suddenly doesn't look very attractive anymore because I can see that Jesus and I can see that glorifying God and following God is just so much more attractive. I I would love to say that I'd got all of this. Um, So as I said to you earlier, I'm preaching this to myself and I appreciate you being here. (laughs) We all need to understand this, don't we? Um, we don't resist sin uh, through just saying no and through willpower. We slay sin, as uh, Piper calls it, by seeing how much more lovely Jesus is. And we do that through seeing him more and more clearly as we recall scripture. And if you want a sword you can use anywhere, anytime, you need to have it memorized. Another advantage then, number three, is comfort and counsel and advice for people that we love. Um, Again, if we don't have a Bible handy, we can share scripture with them. There's a lovely proverb, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. And do you remember those words that Margaret read from later on in Psalm 119, from um, verse 97? I remember a a pastor of of ours in the the States used to love quoting this um, at his um, professors at university. I have more insight than all my teachers, for I meditate on your statutes. I have more understanding than the elders, for I obey your precepts. But, you know, the word brings us understanding as we meditate on it. And, and, And... that helps us as we, as we talk to people. Suddenly the Lord will bring a, a passage to mind that perhaps has something to say. Or he'll bring a principle to mind if it's not even an actual passage because we've immersed ourselves in, in, in what the Bible says in that situation. I think also as well as bringing comfort to others, uh, it brings comfort to ourselves when reading is hard. Uh, that could be if we're not feeling well, if we're feeling ill, we can't read much we just feel too tired but those words are there in our mind and as we get older perhaps and 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 you know we struggle with eyesight or whatever it may be just think how wonderful it would be to have all of that in our hearts i remember uh, i was talking to simon about this the other day and, and and simon said when he's talking to people perhaps who are near the end of their lives and he wants to bring some comfort and he starts quoting scripture, they, they just sort of start reciting it along with him psalm 23 or whatever it may be because Uh, they've learnt that and I think that's a heritage that the older generation have and we've got to be so careful that we don't stop doing that and that we give that same heritage to the younger generation that you know I mean in in the old days we made children learn vast swathes of scripture and there were probably good things and bad things about that but one of the good things was that it's 
in their hearts now. Uh, and, and, and we need to make sure that perhaps we, we dispense with the bad side and the legalistic side and, 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 and the negative side of it just becoming head knowledge, that we don't lose the, the really good parts of that too. Uh, another thing is communicating the gospel to people who aren't Christians. And if our friends don't know Jesus, we can, if appropriate, share God's word with them if it's in our head. Because we know that faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the word of God. And I'm not suggesting that we need to go around Bible bashing and um, quoting large chunks of Isaiah uh, at all our friends in the hope they'll be uh, converted. But I do think that as we memorize key verses, uh, God can bring them back to mind at a crucial moment. And I, and I have to believe that at the right moment, an actual verse from Scripture can have a power that something that we invent uh, does not have. Another thing which um, comes as an advantage of memorizing Scripture is um, communion with God or or fellowship, fellowship with God. And the way that we have communion and fellowship with God is thinking about him, who he is, what he's done, and thanking him for that and expressing our um, praise and love. And if we have some verses in our heads, then that makes that enormously easier. Uh, I'll give an example. I think it must have been this last week. Uh, One day I was reading the One Month to Live book and thinking, oh, I don't know if I can do this. <laughs> this is all very hard. Um, I think it was talking about risk or something. And I was sort of just getting more and more, oh, I don't know if I can do this. And, and eventually I had to go off to work, as, as one sadly does. And um, I was cycling to work. And again, I wouldn't like you to get the impression that that's a regular occurrence, but it does happen <laughs> occasionally. And, and um, I was cycling to work, and I'd been learning Psalm 34. Uh, the beginning of Psalm 34, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. And I was thinking about that and thinking, yeah, I, I'm supposed to bless the Lord at all times. And, and what am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to bless the Lord at all times. And you start to chew on it as you're just sort of cycling along. And hopefully you don't run anybody down while you're doing that. But, but you know, it, it's great because then you can start to praise God and, and you can start to... And, and this is not something that I'm very good at, personally, I have to say. I, I, I don't know about you, but I, I don't find that very easy. But having the words of Scripture um, in my mind means that when I don't know what to say uh, in my prayers or, or when I'm cycling along or whatever it may be, um, I have those words that I can say. And, and like we did at the beginning of this service, we, we can pray through a psalm when we may be don't quite know what to say, or we don't have the words to say. And if we memorized it, we can do that without the Bible in front of us. So, um, and I would, I would, by the way, commend that to you if you've, if you've not ever tried that, just praying through a psalm or praying through a passage of Scripture. Uh, I, was, I remember one guy, I forget who it was, was talking about this, and he says people complain sometimes, uh, you know, and I, I, I certainly share this thought, that you can kind of run out of things to pray for or you're not quite sure what to pray for. And he says, open the Bible, look at a passage. Psalms are great, but also passages in the New Testament. Start praying that. He says, you can go on for a couple of hours that way. You're never going to run out of material. <laughs> and and um, I think, I think that's, a, that's a marvelous thing. But again, if it's in your head, then you can do that and you feel, you, know, you feel close to God as you're doing that. John Piper, number three, says this, most of us are emotionally crippled. All of us, really. Well, I'm, I'm sorry if that's not you, but it sounds good for me anyway. 
We don't experience God in the fullness of our emotional potential. How will that change? One way is to memorize the emotional expressions of the Bible and speak them to the Lord and to each other until they become part of who we are. For example, he quotes here Psalm 103 verse 1, but it could equally be Psalm 34 verse 1. For example, in Psalm 103 verse 1 we say, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. That's not a natural expression for many people. But if we memorize this and other emotional expressions from the Bible and say them often, asking the Lord to make the emotion real in our hearts, we can actually grow into that emotion and expression. It will become part of who we are. We will be less emotionally crippled and more able to render proper praise and thanks to God. And of course, if it's in our heads, we don't even have to open the book. So there's, there's so much more that could be said, and I, I have gone on far too long. Um, and there will be times, won't there, when we struggle with Bible reading, we struggle with memory, and we struggle with meditation because we don't find pleasure in it. And we've got other things that we want to do, and TV or, or work or the newspaper or surfing the internet or whatever. Um, and, and sometimes it's, it's not a delight. And, and just as an encouragement, I think I would say that the psalmists absolutely struggle with this. Everybody struggles with this. And, and the way we change it is by coming back to God and saying, God, I'm really struggling with this, and, and praying and asking the Lord to do something that we can't do. It's not natural for us to want to desire God's word. That's not a natural thing. It's a God-given thing, and we need to continue to depend on God that he would reveal his word to us, that he would create that desire in us. Uh, that it would help us to delight in, in, in it, in it as, as I've said. And, and just as a final encouragement, you know, this, this is about joy in the end. It's about uh, joy in God. Um, I think Simon used that quote from C.S. Lewis, which I won't be able to remember because I haven't written it down, about us being far too easily pleased, about uh, being like children who are happy playing in mud puddles when in fact we've been invited uh, for a holiday at the seaside. Uh, we might use uh, you know, slightly more overblown metaphors like going to the Caribbean now, but uh, in those days, holiday at the seaside was a pretty good thing. And yet he's saying, you know, we're happy just to play in a few mud puddles outside the little house where we are. Uh, he's saying we're far too easily pleased with the pleasures of this world. And what God wants to give us is, is, is enormous joy. In him, joy because we get to know Jesus better. Joy because we see that we're bringing glory to him through the praise and worship that we're able to offer. Joy because our lives become more free from sin and we because we become more like him. Joy because we have a way to fight when doubts set in and things get tough. And I, I would say from my point of view, um, I've had some struggles over the past sort of few years and without having verses of the Bible in my head, there would have been times where I think I would have completely given up. But I was able to say, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. Through the rivers, they'll not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you'll not be burned, and the flame will not consume you, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Saviour. And, and they don't come to my mind often enough, which is why I'm trying to do this scheme, because hopefully they might come to my mind a bit more often. But, you know, without some of those verses, I, I, I can say for myself, I, I probably wouldn't be here. And, and I think 
you know, there's times when if we do this, we just won't know sometimes the blessing that it brings because of the way in which having God's word in our heart will help us to avoid all kinds of things which, which would otherwise attack us and, and, and pull us down. So I wanted to finish with a rather nice little passage here from the Pilgrim's Progress. People don't read the Pilgrim's Progress much. I have to confess I'm not convinced I have read it. I think I've read bits of it. But it used to be, after the Bible, the most read book in the English language uh, in this country. I think Pilgrim's Progress, Fox's Book of Martyrs, and the authorised version. (laughs) And there's some enormous, wonderful truth in, in that. And as you know, Bunyan was uh, in prison in Bedford for very, very many years. And uh, there's a wonderful quote from a guy uh, called John Owen, who was an enormous academic um, at the time of the English Civil War. He was Cromwell's chaplain. And in fact, he was a pastor of a church not far from here at Fordham All Saints, just uh, near Colchester. And um, I think it was after the Restoration and, and... Charles II, he'd gone off to listen to Bunyan preach. And this, this guy who was an Oxford Don, uh, academic, probably the greatest theologian that this country's ever produced. And uh, Charles said to him, the king said to him, why, why are you going to listen to Bunyan? And he said, sir, I would gladly give up all of my learning to be able to listen to one sermon from that tinker of Bedford. And... and um, I think, I think that's a lovely, lovely tribute from a great Anglican to a great Baptist, actually. That's worth, worth noting. Anyway, that was an aside, sorry. Pilgrim's Progress. Um, Christian is in the dungeon of Doubting Castle, and he remembers that he has the key to the door. Very significant is not only what the key is, but where it is. So he says this, What a fool I've been to lie like this in this stinking dungeon when I could have just as well walked free. In my chest pocket, sorry Steve, I have a key called promise that will, I am thoroughly persuaded, open any lock in Doubting Castle. Then, said Hopeful, who was with him, that's good news, my good brother. Do immediately take it out of your chest pocket and try it. Then Christian took the key from his chest and began to try the lock of the dungeon door, and as he turned the key, the bolt unlocked, and the door flew open with ease, so that Christian and Hopeful immediately came out. Three times, John Bunyan says that the key out of Doubting Castle was in Christian's chest pocket. And and John Piper says, I take this to mean that Christian had hidden God's promises in his heart by memorization, and that is, sorry, that it was now accessible in prison for precisely this reason. And this is how the promises sustained and strengthened Bunyan while he was in prison. He was filled with scripture. Everything he wrote was saturated with Bible. He poured over his English Bible, which he had most of the time, And this is why he could say of his writings, I've not for these things fished in my other men's waters. My Bible and concordance are my only library in my writings. I I think that's that's lovely that somebody there has that testimony that because he'd hidden that word in his heart, uh, he was able to be free from those doubts and fears that uh, 
continually beset him. So, a few ramblings uh, on uh, Bible memory there, but I hope that's of, uh, of some help. And I, I really would encourage us to, to take up this challenge, if you haven't already, um, not just maybe for a few weeks, not just for this year, but let's make it something that we do for the rest of our lives. I think that would be of enormous benefit, as, as I hope I've shown, and will also bring us uh, enormous joy. Let's, uh, let's pray.